So the point of most of Ramadan is to gain taqwa, but it's also to kind of get closer to Allah, right? We're reading the Quran, we're trying to like indulge in any type of lessons or anything we can, self-reflections, get rid of bad habits. But how do we actually get closer to Allah? I think this is one of the most requested things people ask me. And I'm going to get into that today and give you maybe about four tips that I have. But I want you to know that so much of this has to do with you initiating the process, not us waiting for it to fall into our lap. So either way, I'm going to help you with that. But let's just put in our mind that the change starts with us. And like I said, I think in the last podcast, if we reach for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with our hand, he will give us an arm's length. Hello, Sama alaikum. Thank you for joining us here at the Mindful Muslim Speaks podcast. I'm your host, Mindful Muslim, and I'm so happy to be spending Ramadan with you. Thank you for joining us here and making our podcast one of your regular listens. We have so many new sisters. I think we mentioned last time, I think we're up to over 800,000 listeners at this point. And we want you to know that every single woman here is special to us. Um, just the other day, I was talking to some women individually on our platform, our um, global sisterhood on Thrive. And so many sisters were just saying that their Ramadan is so much better because of community. And that's what we have here too, right? We're coming together regularly. I know you guys don't get to talk to each other. That's why I created Thrive. It's kind of like the after party for this podcast. But at the same time, I want you to know that we are always here to support you in your journey and everything that you're trying to do to become a better Muslimah. All right. So we are coming to you Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And today's Friday. And we wanted to come with a podcast that helps you to do something that we're hearing a lot. It's one of the number one things that we hear women do other than like, what can I do when I have my menstruation? What can I do, um, you know, if I'm sad or depressed, which I think we covered last time. But I want you to know that getting closer to a lot is not as hard as you think, but it does require you to make some effort in some areas. And we're going to cover a couple of those today. And what I want you to start putting in your mind is that and again, I touched on this or I covered this in like my Instagram lives recently. Definitely follow us on Instagram if you haven't already at Mindful Muslima because I always share things in my family. By the way, I will share this one thing on here right before I start. Um, I bought my kids um, an ant farm. And I bought it because, you know, there's a surah about the ants, uh, and so it's really interesting when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala highlights a particular part of creation. And so part of, you know, Ramadan is reflecting. And I thought, wow, what an amazing, subhanAllah, what an amazing opportunity to put these uh, these creatures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I know they can sound like scary to some people, but they're all enclosed and everything. And we watch them. And subhanAllah, the task I gave my children was to watch their adab, to watch their their manners and their akhlaq, their character. Because yes, ants do have them and they're quite amazing. And so what happened was I was in my Instagram and I was showing how I was like taking the ants out and putting the, the capsule and putting them into the habitat. And then it's so, so amazing. Like when you put them in, within 24 hours, they had dug tunnels and created their own little home. It was just so nice. But that wasn't, that wasn't like the nice, nice part. The Islamic peace, the Islamic connection, I think moms and parenting, a lot of moms were like, please save this to your highlights. My kids keep asking me if there's any more videos they want to watch. And I just encourage parents to do these things when you buy 
creatures and then after of course we release them into the wild so like i've i've gotten butterflies we get like the the caterpillars and we turn them into the pupa and like and if you're like not into bugs i'm not either but these are really easy because you don't really have to do anything you kind of just put them inside and just watch and mostly the kids are watching them it's not like you're you're doing anything in particular and so what happens is all on their own they take care of themselves as long as you, you do what you're supposed to right so what happens is um yeah and then like so with the butterflies then we watch them turn to the pupa and, and then we release them into the backyard and so with the ants we'll probably do the same but what happens is during Ramadan, they're kind of like our showpiece and the kids every morning, they go down the stairs and they run and they look at what have they done today. So when I was putting in my Instagram the other day, what happened was one of the ants, when, when they first got in, like all the sand was kind of like shifted to one side and there was like this long drop and one of the ants fell into the drop and it was so amazing because you just see all the other ants like reaching down to try to help him and bring him up and check on him. And if you watch them in general, they are just so community-based. They're like better Muslims than us. And I think that's what I tagged on it, like ants, better Muslims than us, because they just did everything looking out for each other. They were extremely courteous. They weren't fighting. They were just continuously, productively working for the cause of all. And it was actually just like my heart was melting, like subhanAllah, they're so small. They have such small, let's say, brains, right? But they're you have such more better adab and, and than us. It's really, really sad. As Muslims, we don't treat each other well. Usually if one, one of us will fall down, everyone will be like, ah, somebody will help them. It can't be me. I'm busy. And astaghfirullah, subhanAllah, these ants were just, my kids are every day just enthralled by it. They're like, mommy, look at their, do mommy, they're burying their dad. They're careful. Look at them doing this. Look at them doing that. Look at them helping one another. My children are learning so much about how to be a great Muslim from ants who would have thought so subhanallah um just a thought for for anybody out there like are the creation can teach us so much so when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keeps saying in the quran reflect he wants us to go outside and look at just the beautiful things like how allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says don't you see the birds and how i care for them you know it's just it's it's absolutely amazing how animals are just kind and careful and courteous and they supposedly don't have as much high function as we do and i think sometimes our high function is to our demise and so i just wanted to share that really beautiful reflection that we've been having with nature I think my husband was getting in his car the other day, like only by where I live. And it's not, it's, it's, a, it's probably like right in the outskirts of New York City before I was right inside New York City. So now I'm in the outskirts. And um, this, the rabbit was like jumping by as my husband was walking to the car. And every morning I wake up and there's just birds everywhere. And that's literally the reason why I kind of moved a little bit farther from the city because I was like, I love the city and I love people and I love things, you know, like meeting up in restaurants. And, but there's just something about reflecting and having peace, waking up in the morning with a hot mug of tea and just going out and after Fajr and reciting Quran and hearing the birds, you know, it's these things. And now mind you, my life wasn't always like that. I, I've gone through a lot of crazy things and had difficult situations, but alhamdulillah, like if you just keep striving, eventually Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you this comfort and ease and peace. And so I just encourage you, if you're going through something really hard, just keep going. And part of that is getting closer to Allah, which is what we're going to cover right now. Now, some of the things I'm going to mention could be directly applicable to you and some may not. So it's all like depending on what you're going through. But I will say that the first thing what I would suggest to you is to forgive others. So if you want to get close to Allah, you have to forgive others. And you're like, what in the world does that have to do with my personal relationship? I have a right to be mad at my mother-in-law. Have you met her? Come on. Like, you know, I get like these things from women. 
I'm like, look, here's the thing. This took me a long time to learn. If you don't stop letting other people steal your happiness and your peace, you're never going to have any. And the person who controls that is you. It's not them. I know you feel like they're ruining your life or you feel like they're being really difficult or you've had this traumatic event that you just can't get over. But the truth is you are in so much more control than you believe. And that is what I teach women in mindfulness all the time with all the different classes and courses. For example, with marriage, I had a sister the other day who said she was a young sister. She says, sister, I'm so discouraged. I see all these young women around me getting, um, you know, divorced and they're like my age in their twenties already. And like, now I'm looking for a spouse and I'm like, is that going to happen to me? And I'm like, listen, you have more control than you think. That's why we created a marriage course. I know a lot of you guys are looking forward to it. I think it will open up again. It's been closed. It only opens once or twice a year. Um, it'll open probably again in June and maybe towards the end of June. Um, I'm taking a trip. I'm taking a trip overseas. I'm probably going to Ethiopia and I might have to go back to Turkey again for something with some follow-up, some medical procedure and keep me in Yerda. But yeah, so, you know, we're going to try to see if we can put that out for you guys before then. But the sister was saying, um, you know, like, I need help. And I'm like, listen, that's why we try to teach women exactly that you have a choice. So what our, our role is, and a lot of people are like, are you guys matchmakers? I'm like, no, matchmaking is not even going to help you. What's going to help you is doing things by, by a law's way. And so what I try to tell women is what we do is we empower women. We empower women and make them understand that you have complete choice. You're not at anybody's whim. You have to do thing, things in a very balanced approach. It's the same thing with your forgiveness of other people. You know, you can keep the understanding that they did something to you. So you don't have to f- forget. You can keep that. This is a very easy thing to remember. You don't have to forget, but you have to forgive. And we know this because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he tells us so many times that it's important and that if we want the forgiveness of Allah, how can we beg for the forgiveness of Allah and we don't forgive people? Allah is all merciful. And like I said in the, in I think it's the previous podcast or the one before that, there is no sin that is bigger than Allah's mercy. Allah's mercy is bigger than any sin you could do. And that's the same thing with other people. Like Allah has mercy for all creation and he has so much mercy. How many mistakes have we made? And Allah loves us and has mercy for us. But we can't forgive other people because of what they did to us. And I will never, ever forget. I'm sure you guys heard this story. So it's just a reminder because it's so powerful of the story where um, one of the Sahaba was in the in the masjid with Rasulullah and he there was a gentleman who passed by and he said basically that that person you know was going to jannah and you're like whoa well i want to know what he has that you know subhanallah this is pretty amazing if he points him out i need to know what he has like that's what the sahaba is thinking right so subhanallah the sahaba goes to um think about like how can i find this out so he decides to tell the guy that he has a family issue and could he stay with them now in the time um you know back then you you could you could ask to go into someone's house for up to three days and they would have to basically you know as a hospitality it's part of the the culture to take care of you and so subhanallah the guy made this excuse i don't know what, what it was i don't remember but it was like kind of like a issue where with the family and he had to like just stay with him for a couple of days. So the real reason he's there staying in this man's house that was mentioned that he would go to Jannah is because he wants to observe him. He wants to see exactly why is this guy going to Jannah and I maybe not. Like what does he have? I need to learn all about this. And so subhanAllah, um, the Prophet peace be upon him basically um, 
you know, sorry, not the prophet, the Sahaba, he, he watched him every night. And after being with him for about three nights, he noticed that he doesn't really do anything more than him. The guy was pretty practicing and the other guy was pretty practicing. And he was like, wow, so I don't know what it is. So then he came, he came clean. He went up to the guy and he's like, subhanAllah, I just want to let you know. I heard the prophet, peace be upon him, mentioning something about you. And I just really wanted to know exactly, you know, what you're doing and why, why you think he would say that about you. And I, I tried to watch our ibadah and it's kind of like similar to mine. And, you know, he's going like on like this, right? Of course, I'm paraphrasing. And then so the, the, the other one, he said, subhanAllah, I think if I could think of one thing, it would be that um, every night, every night, I clear my heart from anything everyone did for me and uh, did for me badly, right? And I forgive them. And the other guy said, yes, yeah, subhanAllah, that must be it. And so the Prophet, peace be upon him, told us, like, this is something we should make as a normal practice. So holding grudges is not from Islam, okay? And, you know, at the end of the day, we're never supposed to, if we have problems with family, uh, more than three days to go without talking to them intentionally. And I know there's going to be some people right now listening like, hey, you know, like, that's, you don't know, like, I can't deal with that person. So here's the thing. You don't have to like overly indulge in them. You just have to give them their rights. So put in your mind, how can I give this person their rights without like putting myself in a particular position with them? Yes, even people you live with or people you don't live with. So every day I wake up, how can I give people their rights? And that's what you're going to put in this mindset. Okay. All right. And the other example I want to give you of this uh, is that uh, Safwan, uh, excuse me, Safwan ibn Umayyah uh, was involved in a plot to kill the prophet, peace be upon him. So if you want to know if, if you're mad at somebody, you like what they did to you, how about if somebody tries to kill you? So they're involved in a plot to kill the prophet, peace be upon him. And he also fought against the Muslims many times. But after the conquest of Mecca, he was pardoned by the Prophet, peace be upon him, which led him to accept Islam. So he saw that the Prophet forgave him, even though he tried to murder him and murder all his friends and do all of this crazy stuff. And he saw that the Prophet's character, his akhlaq, you see guys, sometimes we don't need to give da'wah. We just need to show people the best of ourselves Islamically. And he he made shahada, subhanAllah. And the Prophet forgave him. That's the most important thing, right? Um, Abu Sufyan, Sakr ibn Harb, um, was one of the most evil men alive back then. He led military campaigns again against the Prophet, peace be upon him, and also tried to kill him on many occasions. So, I mean, I don't think there's any of us who have people trying to kill us on multiple occasions, right? I know you probably had some really bad situations in your life, but that is also pretty serious, right? After the conquest of Mecca, he also accepted Islam and was forgiven by the Prophet, peace be upon him. So if the Prophet, peace be upon him, can forgive people with these offenses... Who are we to say people don't deserve forgiveness, right? So number two, another suggestion I have for you if you're trying to get closer to Allah. So the first reason for the forgiveness, if you haven't caught on to it, is because it hardens your heart. When your heart is hardened, you cannot connect with Allah. You not forgiving that person is stopping you from connecting with Allah. So I want you to make that association so that you can let it go. And number two is repentance or tawbah. And I want to just point out here for people who are not so Islamically savvy, this is a pretty basic concept, but you might have never been taught that. And that's what we're here for, right? So there is um, astaghfar and then there's tawbah. They're not the same, right? Astaghfar is like asking for forgiveness. Like, hey, I'm so sorry, right? I could do that, right? I could hurt you and then I could say, hey, I'm sorry. And you're like, oh, okay, it's no problem. But that's not enough, okay? And in Islam, we don't have to go around telling people our sins and what we did wrong and all that stuff. We just have to say sorry to Allah. But by the way, we do also have to say sorry to the person we hurt. So we're not allowed to just say, oh, so I'm sorry. I like 
back mouth, you know, talk really badly to my mom. No, you have to go say sorry to your mom too. That's not allowed, right? Yeah, in Islam, we don't have it like other religions do. We have to go and go straight to the person because they don't know you're remorseful, to be fair. They don't know. And so we have to also give them their rights of, you know, good treatment. So if you make a mistake with somebody, that's fine. Or if you make a mistake that's against yourself, that's then it's between you and Allah. You don't have to go tell anybody your sins, all right? We're not like the, the Catholics. We don't have like intercession from a priest or anything like that. There is no one between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No person, no prophet, no um, no other deity. Like some people will use Jesus or something. There's nothing between us and Allah. We can talk to him directly. So subhanAllah, um, what you're going to do is make astaghfar. Okay, I'm sorry. But then there's a next level, which is Thoba, which is the repentance I'm speaking of. You need to do this, which is then put in place a plan for you to never do it again and intend to never do it again. For example, if you're a person who was like DMing guys before Ramadan, okay, I'm just giving like an example. There's zero judgment here, okay? Give an example. You were DMing guys before Ramadan and now Ramadan's here and you're like, oh my gosh, Allah, I'm so sorry for DMing all those guys or DMing that particular guy. You know, I just really like him. Maybe he'll be my husband, blah, blah, blah. And FYI, no. You can't DM guys to find out if they're going to be your husband. I mean, like, you can't, like, get to know them that way. And then a lot of women are like, what do I do then? And I'm like, that's why we teach this. It's it's a lot of stuff. And I'll let you guys know when we get into that, like, maybe in June, July. Or DM me if you, like, can't wait till then. But this is something just FYI you can't do. So what happened is um, you are uh, maybe wanting to repent. But that's not repentance if Right after Ramadan, when you're done fasting and Eid happens, maybe on the Eid day you will call him Happy Eid. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> this is not repentance, guys. This is maybe astaghfar, but it is baseless. I don't want to. I don't want to like, you know, hurt anybody's feelings here. But like Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, he's 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 the Rabb that made us. I mean, who are we fooling? Are we really sorry if we intend to do it right after? I mean, come on. Like, let's be fair. So, um. Your sin is not bigger than Allah's mercy, like I said. And no matter how big your sin is, if you repent with your heart, um, you will that you will not make the mistake again. Allah will forgive you. He promises us that, that He will. But you you might need to make sure that you're following up with complete tauba, which is to never do it again. Now, let me say that you might do it again, even though you intend to never do it again. But the point is that you're actively trying to really stop yourself, not like oops. I did it again. Like, I feel like I'm singing a song lyric there. Sorry for that. It's like creepy. But you know what I mean? Like, well, like, this is the, the truth. Like we're trying to, int- Allah knows if you mean it. Everybody knows if you have real ikhlas. So just keep it real. Okay. Number three, thank Allah for what he gave you. So one of the reasons that we're far from Allah is we are not grateful. And why many of us think, oh no, I'm totally grateful. I'm so happy I have a car. I'm so happy I have a house. No, there's a different level of gratitude when you feel like you need to throw your face on the floor to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like, thank you a lot. No, thank you. Like when something happens, like like somebody almost died, you know, like they got th- their life saved. You know that emotion you have right there? Like, oh my gosh. Like I had one time, I remember I was walking to the mall when my daughter, my very first daughter was first born. And I was walking to the mall and I was just slowly going from the parking lot, just about to get up into like where the, what do you call that? Like the concrete lift into the sidewalk for the mall out of nowhere. Allahu alam. I don't know what this person was thinking. Barrels down the parking lot, like top speed. I have my baby there. Allahu alam. For some reason, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
made me have a like a knee-jerk reaction as a mother. And I'm a first-time mother, so I'm not that experienced at all. My baby is not even a year old. And I just remember, I can't show you physically in the podcast, but I just remember I really quickly took my my wrist and just turned, turned the so like like if you can imagine my my carriage was going straight forward, then all of a sudden it was like turned to the left. And then I remember the car breezing past my carriage. Like I could see it like it just like moved it a little, but it my daughter would have been smashed to pieces. Subhanallah, alhamdulillah, la ilaha illallah, Allahu akbar. I'm not even joking. The the feeling I had was like, you know, after you have a car accident, if you've ever had this and you feel like shaking, and I'm just like, what in the world just happened? And how did I know to turn her? I don't think she even knows. I don't think I even told my daughter that that story. And subhanallah, like that moment, I just was going to be in tears in gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That feeling right there, that is gratitude. I'm not saying because I had it, obviously. I'm trying to tell you that moment where like, your heart is grabbed. Do we feel that on a regular basis? I think most of us don't. And that's where we're suffering. You know, we're not really close to a lot in that manner. So hashtag real life as I'm podcasting. It doesn't matter where I hide in my house during COVID-19. Um, my kids find me. So <laughs> my daughter opening the door. And I'm not going to edit it out because that's real life. And that's what everybody needs to hear. So alhamdulillah. Um, the, other, the other thing. Um, so yeah. So in that story, it was just like that moment of gratitude. That's what I wanted you guys to hear. And so we're not always in that state. We were just kind of like, la, la. And so I had a woman the other day, um, we were doing a, a Zoom a Zoom live, and one sister was saying, I just, you know, in, in Ramadan, the second week, I don't want to get up anymore. And another woman's like, yeah, me neither. You know, I'm just like getting tired of this. And maybe that's what you're feeling. But I have to say, if we don't want to get up for Sahur, and we don't want to get up to pray, and we don't want to get up, that means we're 100% ungrateful. I'm just being honest, guys, and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And I'm saying this very, very, uh, what's the word I'm going to say? Um, anonymously for anyone who's experiencing that right now. But I have to say it to kind of wake us up. We only have a couple weeks left. I need us to know where we are, okay? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and we're teaching this in our Ramadan recharge program um, right now with the women, is there's three types of hearts, right? There's the sick heart, the dead heart, and the healthy heart. Right? Qalbu Salim. Qalbu Salim is the healthy heart. And that's the only one that gets to go to Jannah. Not the sick heart, not the dead heart. Now, most of us are walking around with sick hearts, right? It's when we're not in the best state of Iman. It doesn't mean we're horrible people. It just means we're sick, right? Emotionally, spiritually sick. And so how do we heal ourselves? That's kind of what we're talking about today. How do you get close to Allah? You have to forgive. You have to repent. And, you know, you have to thank Allah. Because the one who's not thanking a lot and they're focusing on everything they don't have. When I ask women in Ramadan, like, what's going well for you? What's not going well for you right now? You know what? They, they mostly focus on the what's not going well. And rightfully so because they need to vent. And that's why I create the space. So like, for example, on Thrive, I do that with them. I check in with women on live and we do that. Or in the Ramadan Recharge program, I do that. But what I'm trying to tell you is vent. And I vent too. In the morning, I do journaling. You guys know I have a four-point journaling. The first bullet is vent. <laughs> like, let it out. That's not wrong. But we have to follow it up with gratitude, pivoting to the positive. However, like this sucks in my life right now. However, this is really good. Alhamdulillah, Allah is so merciful. You know, whatever is bad in my life right now, there's also so much good. But most people are like, no, there's not. Well, it's because you're not thinking about it. There is. And because we're so ungrateful, we don't even recognize that even the breeze on a hot day 
is something we should be grateful for. Some people have just, you know, like relentless heat all the time and lack of water. So we're just so ungrateful. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us those of the grateful. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks frequently in the Quran about the ingratitude of humanity. So we should always thank him for whatever he's given us. And it's the pathway to happiness. So if you're not happy, it's like the same thing with forgiveness. It's like you're holding things in your heart and they're making you sad. And you're holding all like, oh, what was me? My life is so bad. And then that's why you're not happy. Because that's all you're focusing on. If you literally shifted to the positive in your life, you'd feel so much better. And it's so funny. As I'm, um, as I'm talking to you, in the background, my daughter is cheering, right? I'm like, what is she cheering about? And what happened is I told you guys about the ants. So this morning, right before I'm recording the podcast, yes, at pleasure time, because my kids were like, never sleeping ever. Yeah, it doesn't matter how old my kids get. They just, woo, hashtag mom life. Anyway, so my daughter knocked over the ant farm and it was so sad because they made these beautiful tunnels and they all, it was like an avalanche. They all got smothered by the sand. And so at first they were hustling and bustling and like, it was a very like functional thing. And then afterwards they were all like, it was like, you know, when you see, um, a hurricane or a tornado or something. And then after the community comes out and they're looking for one another, like a, you know, like a, to save lives, that's what they were doing. It was so sad. And I was trying to like take a stick and move the sand to try to like let them come out. And, and like, so I, I was able to a little bit, but I couldn't disturb it too much. Cause at the end of the day, it's still like a lost creation. They have to do what they have to do. And so my daughter's like cheering in the back of my podcast, like, yes, they got another one out. Like they're saving each other. It is just so amazing. SubhanAllah. Um, so last two quick, quick advice I'm going to give you. And number four is face the test that you're being given. A lot of us were in denial that we're going through a test and that we have to just bear that burden. We want to like blame somebody else. We want to be like super depressed and just stuck in depression. Whatever we're upset about, if we're if our, we're allowed to have bad feelings, I talked about this in the last podcast. If you didn't hear it, please go to the last one if you're suffering depression. And I have a ton of other depression podcasts, by the way, about like what depression really means. And honestly, if, if you get to the root cause of it, the most um, basic definition I can give you of like the cause of most every kind of depression, unless it's a chemical imbalance, which is something very different, um, is that you have a basic need that's not being met for some reason. Okay. And you, or maybe you have some type of traumatic, um, you know, experience that you're not revisiting but then still it's that and, and healing over but still it goes back to the same thing again which is like there's a need not being met that that's not being met right so at the end of the day that's very basic and I know that so I need to like minimize it but at the end of the day the point is there's something you need to pay attention to and then you need to address it and sometimes you can address it on your own and sometimes you need help and that's okay it's okay to ask for help and the point is this a lot a lot test people it's not that you're not going to get tested. You're most definitely get tested, going to get tested. And it's not because it's like a cruel thing against you. It's just this is life. Life is full of tests. It's not supposed to be like easy breezy because then nothing, nothing would be um, anything to be grateful about, right? If everything was just so easy all the time. And we would never grow. And so, you know, he's testing us with money. He's testing us with our health, with our spouse, whatever. And, and every single person has the same opportunity. You can either respond well to a test or not. You can either get incredible reward for responding well or incredible sin for responding badly. And so what I want to tell you is step one is embrace that test. Say it's a test. I accept it, Allah. Help me to deal with it. I want to deal with it well. And just make that conversation with Allah. 
but what tests are you facing right now? And how can you better accept and face them? That's what I want you to ask yourself today. And that is another piece that will help you to get closer to Allah because the more we're in denial and we're mad about it and we're emotional about it, those emotions are stopping us from connecting. And I really, really wish that everybody who got a chance, I tried as best I could to announce it as many times, but I gave that free class right before Ramadan and the three top things that stop people from progressing in Ramadan. And one of them was your emotions. Your emotions play a huge role. If you're constantly sad, you don't want to pray. If you're constantly mad, you don't want to pray. If you're constantly whatever, you don't want to be Quran. This is huge. Address your emotions and address your um, your test. And if you're really struggling to um, address emotions, I have an entire free class that comes out only once a year on addressing your emotions. And then I have an entire course too. Like I literally live to build stuff for you guys. But what I want you to know is if you don't address it, And if you don't recognize it, it's not going to get better for you. And I tried to really drive that point home before Ramadan started so that women could deal with their their baggage. Because if you don't, and when you're going to try to, you know, read taqwa and Ramadan, that stuff really gets in your way. And I know it because I just had a live two days ago where I was like, do you guys want to hear about sirah or da-da-da? And I was teaching about this stuff. Or do we want to talk about, like, what you're feeling right now? And every woman was like, depressed, 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 depressed. But I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, I can't even help them get to the next level because first we have to uncover this milestone. And I'm totally good with it. Like, I'm fine with it. I just wish we had more time to be more productive about getting closer to a law piece, right? But because we have to just backstep a minute, which is totally fine, it is really important. And I know some of those women are probably listening to the podcast right now. And I, I want them to understand this process as well. We have to sometimes backstep to like, like take a step back to go two steps forward. So that's what we're doing. We're just addressing it. And if we didn't address it, let me tell you what would happen. There would not be a productive Ramadan. So even though it feels like we're going backwards, we're still going forwards, if that makes sense. You get me? So happy to do that. But I'm just telling you, if you're out there and you're not getting help with that, that that is something that could be what is holding you back. So you have to face your test and you have to address your emotions. And that's even after Ramadan. Okay. Number five, read Quran. It might seem obvious, but how many people actually really do it? Now, Ramadan, you're going to be like, oh, of course I'm reading my Quran. Yeah, well, it's Ramadan. But I'm just saying like outside of Ramadan, how often are you reading Quran? crickets yeah <laughs> like come on guys it, it will wash your heart and regularly purify it and wash away sin and brings the slave closest to his master in a very um you know lofty sense and so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the quran to our beloved prophet as a guidance for mankind and reciting it even one line a day can not only earn you great reward but can bring your heart such sakina such peace all right how can you incorporate the quran in your day at least five minutes every single day of your life. Let's not just read the Quran for just now. Remember I told you about the texting the guy during Ram, like, oh, before Ramadan. Okay, I can't talk to you. It's Ramadan. I'll get back to you in 30 days. No, no one's forgiving you if that's the intention you made. So make a tawbah now. Make a repentance now if that was your intention. If you made that mistake, that's okay. No judgment. But like, fix it. Don't do that or Allah's not going to forgive you. And you're not going to, you're not going to forgive yourself for losing that opportunity to find peace and closeness with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and happiness in your life and you're only going to be stopping yourself and your own self-sabotage okay so love you guys for the sake of Allah definitely find a way to make whatever really good habits you're doing right now carry it over carry over until after Ramadan the point of Ramadan is not to be the end all be all of the year it is the beginning of a next journey we're fueling up 
for the next year until the next Ramadan so that we can have the strength to do well in the upcoming year. So make sure that whatever you're doing, you're trying to find a way to incorporate it, even if it's less. If you're doing eight raka at night now, just two. Two at night for the rest of the year would be better than nothing at all. Whatever you can do, all right? Love you guys for the sake of Allah. Love to connect with you. I will talk to you in the next podcast. Assalamu alaikum, rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.